Hi, and welcome to the Guiding Compass podcast. My name is Sandra Kushner, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I started this podcast to help bring awareness and education related to mental health and wellness. Today, I'm going to be talking about a topic that is extremely near and dear to my heart and something that I'm really passionate about. So bear with me. There's a lot behind this and meaning to me as a person and as a clinician. So as many of you know, I specialize in working with addiction, and it's something that I fell into unexpectedly in my career. I actually initially thought that I would be um, more interested and was going to specialize in working with eating disorders. And so that's really what I entered grad school with my mindset as is, you know, I'm going to work with eating disorders. That's the population that I feel like I want to specialize in, and unexpectedly, I got my first job working at a treatment center called Promises Malibu, which was actually the first high-end residential treatment center that kind of started the whole luxury rehab model, and I started working there in 2012 when I first started graduate school and just fell in love with the population really, really just felt in flow and really found my groove working with those clients. And I actually stepped away and worked at a treatment center for eating disorders for a little bit and got experience with eating disorders at residential PHP, IOP, and outpatient level of care as well and really enjoyed it, but something in my intuition and really in my soul just kept drawing me back to working in treatment. And so as the story goes, I ended up coming back to Promises, um, then transitioning to another treatment center for about eight months. And during that experience, I had a really, really traumatic experience working at a treatment center that was extremely unethical and just did not have the client's best interest at heart. And it was really hard for me as a person to see that because I connected so much with the clients and just saw how amazing these people were and how, you know, drastically their lives were being affected by substances and realized very quickly, like, wow, we have such a cultural stigma around addiction still. And we don't really realize that like the addict is the person next door to us it's ourselves it's our family members it's not the person that's on the street that's homeless or whatever we as a society have labeled addiction to be addiction literally touches all of us either directly or indirectly in some way And throughout that experience, I just met some of the most amazing young people. They're so creative. They're so intelligent. They're so intuitive. And it just broke my heart and the way that the treatment center was um, not providing them with appropriate care. And that really destroyed me. I only lasted working there for eight months. And I actually decided that I no longer wanted to specialize in working with addiction so disheartened by the whole experience that I ended up going to a Department of Mental Health Agency and working for the government for two and a half years, which um, was an amazing experience. I worked with children and families in low-income areas, and that was very, very fulfilling and definitely gave me a wide range of experience that I wouldn't have gotten 
But something in my soul, something in my intuition just kept drawing me back and like deep down I knew like my people, my niche, the thing that I am good at and passionate about is working with young adults struggling with addiction. So I ended up going back and working in treatment for about a year and a half prior to transitioning to full-time private practice. And throughout all of those experiences and working with you know, different um, young adults in private practice that are struggling and trying to stay, stay sober and really build a foundation for their recovery. There has just been so much that I have learned about treatment, the treatment industry and addiction in general, that I feel is really important for us to have conversations about. I don't think that a lot of therapists and a lot of families really understand what's happening in the treatment industry and exactly what to do about it. And I've done an episode in the past on what to look for in an ethical treatment center, what questions to ask, what you should know about choosing a treatment center that's a right fit for you. But today's episode, I really wanted to talk about the other side of things. I wanted to talk about the business of recovery and what's actually going on in these treatment centers because I think it's so important for people to become aware of this and become educated and make very conscious and meaningful decisions on where they send their child or where they themselves choose to go to treatment. So here we go. I'm going to dive into this and just really like dig deep and share a little bit of information with you guys. So As we all know, addiction in America is at an all-time high. There are nearly 70,000 deaths due to overdosing in America on a yearly basis, and that number is on a steady, steady rise. Alcohol and drugs have become such an integrated part of our culture, it's nearly impossible to find a teenager that has not experimented with some substance by the age of 15. As a society, we are unprepared and frankly uneducated about what this rising drug culture represents, not only for us as a nation, but at an individual and deeply personal level as well. Most of us still avoid acknowledging that addiction has somehow touched us or someone we know. It's like a cancer that's slowly spreading, which we all choose to ignore, sweep under the rug, and minimize until it kills us or someone that we know and we realize we can no longer hide from the truth. This cancer has become so normalized that most of us don't even think twice when our coworker drinks themselves to obliteration, our friend pulls out a bag of cocaine, or we hear another person we went to high school with has died from an overdose. It almost seems like these experiences have become part of our everyday culture. Recently, I stumbled upon a book called The Naked Mind, written by Annie Grace, and that completely changed my entire perspective and relationship with alcohol. I never realized until reading this book how deeply instilled in our unconscious mind it is that drinking is good for us, when reality, it is poison. Yet, when we turn down a drink or order water at a restaurant, we were met with stares of confusion, questions, and assumptions. It's almost like not drinking is unacceptable. With so many blind spots around drugs and alcohol, we are often not aware of the amount of marketing, money, and manipulation that goes into the industry. We are sold the message that substances will make us happier, healthier, and more attractive. 
we are told that using is cool and will make experiences better. We never stop to think about the reasons behind the messages, which are profit, personal gain, and capitalism, as well as exploitation. Altering our bodies and minds has become the greatest business opportunity, and we didn't even realize it. Not only is an entire industry, underground and not, dedicated to making us addicted in the first place, there's a whole other industry designed to treat those who can no longer manage their lives because substances are now in control of them. The funny thing, the very industry that is designed to help addicts is also dependent on addiction being an issue. I mean, a treatment center can't exist without clients, right? In my experience working in the field, it has shocked me how broken the system is. Honestly, we don't really understand addiction that well. There has not been much research done on it. We don't know what treatments are the most effective, lasting, and evidence-based. Very few medical professionals specialize or even know how to treat an addict. Yet, there are treatment centers all over the nation that cost hundreds and thousands of dollars per month. Some even claim to cure you in 30 to 90 days. How the hell did this happen? To be honest, I myself didn't really understand the extent of the issue. But when I realized what has been happening, I felt shocked, angry, and more motivated than ever to educate people about what is actually going on. I really want to break it down for you guys and explain what happened. First of all, I want to mention that eating disorder and mental health treatment centers are highly regulated by medical boards due to the high acuity and risk of potential harm and death to patients. Number two, there's a lack of research and understanding about addiction. Because of this, it has not been classified at the same acuity, therefore not regulated or held to the same standards that eating disorder and mental health clinics are. When Obama passed the Substance Abuse and Affordable Care Act in 2014, the act went into effect immediately. This was a huge issue because it created a need for substance abuse treatment before we actually had any rules, standards, regulation, or even research available for determining the standard of care. Businessmen quickly realized that insurance now had to pay for treatment of addiction all you needed was a cool house, a staff, and a license with the state that you wanted to open your treatment center in. There was a lack of treatment centers and a high demand that emerged from the Affordable Care Act because a lot of people decided that they needed to go or wanted to seek treatment now that it was going to be covered by insurance. Treatment, center, treatment centers started popping up all over the country claiming to cure addiction and making a whole lot of promises to addicts and their families. Most of these treatment centers being founded and owned by individuals who are not medical professionals, licensed, or even informed about clinical standards of care. Issues like unethical billing, fraud, client brokering, negligence of care, in-house labs, and all of that shady shit became the norm in the treatment industry. Because of this, there was an increase in overdoses. Families started to take action because they thought they were sending their kids to safe environments to get help. And this forced regulation boards such as JCO 
to start creating a standard to try to manage the issue. However, their accreditation process and their audits are often sporadic, and so treatment centers put their best foot forward when inspected or being assessed to become JCO accredited, and then they don't maintain those standards post-accreditation or inspection. Insurance companies started to catch on and started cracking down, limiting payment and approval for care, which caused the treatment owners to start to panic and the quality of care went down even more because they now became desperate due to not be, being as profitable as they were when they initially opened because the insurance companies started to deny coverage for a lot of their patients. So this leads to a lack of accountability and regulation by medical boards and a continued pattern of unethical behavior leading to manipulation, business decisions that don't actually benefit the client or meet standard of care. What this looks like is lack of aftercare planning, readmitting clients that have been through treatment multiple times and have continued to relapse, keeping clients that are not an appropriate fit for the treatment center, allowing to people to stay for months and months on end if they have good insurance policies. And what does that lead to? It leads to a chronic relapse pattern. Because if we're being honest, most treatment centers don't set clients up for success and long-term sobriety for a few different reasons. Number one, the lack of research and regulation actually means that we don't really know what evidence-based and quality care for substance abuse looks like. Number two, the business wouldn't be as profitable if all the clients were able to stay sober. I felt so passionate about having this conversation and breaking it down and educating people about what is going on. First and foremost, as you guys know from what I mentioned earlier, I am really, really passionate about working with addiction. Some of the clients I've worked with are the most talented, intelligent, creative, intuitive, amazing humans that I have ever met. And despite the cultural stigma we still have around addiction, there are way too many amazing people that have lost their lives to this disease. Secondly, I do not and I cannot wrap my head around how medical facilities are being owned and run by businessmen with no education, medical backgrounds, or licenses. They have absolutely nothing to lose. If they fuck up, they don't have a professional license on the line, which they have spent thousands of dollars, years, sweat, and tears to earn. They just get to walk away. Some even start a new treatment center by simply rebranding and just changing their name. Sometimes, but rarely, the owners get thrown in prison for doing fraudulent stuff and billing, but that's not always the case. <sighs> Imagine going to a hospital for help after being shot, walking out, and having someone waiting outside to shoot you again. Also, the hospital can make some money off of your insurance plan. That totally sounds insane, right? But that's exactly what is happening at some treatment centers. A good amount of treatment centers have no aftercare planning, as I mentioned before, which ultimately sets clients up to fail from the moment they complete the program. In my opinion, treatment centers should be run and owned by licensed clinical staff who have appropriate training and skills on how to do things ethically. They should be really highly regulated and held to the same standard as hospitals and other medical facilities are. 
another thing is they are off there's often a really disproportionate amount of decisions that are made by the business team or the administrative staff. These are clinical issues such as length of stay, level of care, referrals, if the client can work or not work, if the client's able to go home and see their family. These decisions are clinical and should be determined collaboratively with the client and their treatment team, not by the business owner, not by the program director or the the admin staff or the non-clinical staff. It is completely out of their scope of practice and in any other medical facility, there is no way in hell that would ever, ever fly. It's kind of like going to your doctor's office and then the clerk telling you what medications to take or what cancer treatment is best for you. Would you trust her opinion over your doctor? Probably not because she hasn't had the same training, education, and experience that your doctor has. So why do we do that in a treatment setting when somebody's life is literally dependent on the quality of the services that they are receiving? Lastly, it's our responsibility as clinicians, as healthcare providers, to speak up about ethical and legal issues regarding standard of care and competency at treatment centers. If we don't speak up, we are just as bad as the people making the unethical decisions. There's a famous quote by Jon Stewart that says, A person may cause evil to others, not only by his actions, but by his inactions, and in either case, he is justly accountable to them for the injury. I am a recovering people pleaser myself. I understand how hard it can be to have confrontational conversations and conflict. However, I have observed that this is so common for so many clinical team members. They avoid, ignore, or are left out of decisions made on the business side of a treatment center. These decisions directly impact the client care. As caretakers, as healers, and as helpers, radical candor does not come naturally to us. But when we don't step up and advocate for our clients, their rights to quality care, and we don't fulfill our duty to maintain our professional standard, we not only devalue ourselves, our profession, but we also put ourselves at risk for losing our license. I don't know about you, but I would personally rather speak up for the client and follow my ethical and legal guidelines, get fired from a place that is not providing quality care, and piss a few people off than lose my license. The reality is, no one likes to have difficult conversations, call people out, or point out flaws in the system, yet it is necessary. If your boss or the owner of the treatment center is not willing to have difficult conversations, own up to their mistakes, or hear how they can improve the program, they're probably not running the place for anything more than profit. They probably aren't even actively involved or aware of what's going on in their treatment center. And everyone, everyone, including the clients, can feel when somebody cares personally versus cares about profit. What I've realized in my experience is owners who truly care are willing to hear feedback, even negative feedback, because they are more concerned about doing the right thing than looking good or making an extra buck. When somebody cares, they don't get defensive or justify decisions that clearly are not made in the benefit of the client. They are willing to listen to the feedback from clients, staff, both clinical and floor staff, and admit when things are wrong, make changes, and better meet the needs and demands 
of their clients and their staff. They take time and they spend time on the ground floor getting to know their team members, getting to know the clients that their treatment center works with. They are informed and actively involved and they are there on the ground level. Blood, sweat, and tears, they are involved. That being said, I wanted to end on a more positive note and just say that there are still good treatment centers out there that truly help people get sober and move on with their lives. I'm passionate about this because I think it's important that clients, families, and providers know what to look for. I, As I mentioned earlier, I recorded a previous podcast, which is podcast number two, episode number two, what to look for in a treatment center, and you can check that out if you scroll through the podcast and on my, the Guiding Compass podcast, you're able to find that episode. You guys can listen to that, and that really breaks down what questions to ask and what to look for. But all I have to say is do your research. Educate yourself. Ask questions that need to be asked. Whether you're the client or you're a therapist looking for a treatment center to send your client to or a family member, it is your right. It is your right to demand straightforward answers and evidence let me say that again, evidence that shows the quality of the services provided. A really good treatment center will back up everything that they say and promise you. They will show you their alumni program. They will let you talk to former clients that went through the program and are still sober. That is such a telltale sign. If they have a chronic relapse pattern, if they have one person out of 100 that has been able to actually stay sober for a long period of time, not a good program. The shitty programs, they will blow smoke up your ass with empty promises. And I promise you, just because somebody has a lot of money to put towards marketing does not mean that they are going to get you or your loved ones sober and help you build a great foundation for your recovery. All I have to say at the end of this is trust your gut instinct. I think we as humans have that beautiful gift of consciousness and intuition And when you really, really sit with yourself and you tap into your instincts, you can tell who's trustworthy and who's not trustworthy. And there's usually a feeling of something is just not lining up. And I can't put my finger on it, but my gut is telling me this guy is shady as fuck. Listen to it. This is not something to take lightly. It truly is a matter of life or death. I lost 12 clients in the last two years from overdoses, and that is not acceptable. That is not okay. Those are people that had so much to offer the world and so much to still do in their lives, and I truly believe that a part of that is because we don't have the proper setup to really help them tackle this beast that is addiction, that is impacting our lives whether directly or indirectly, in some way, in some shape, in some manner. So I want to end this post with a, with a plea to please do your research. Please spe- spread the information. Please start having these conversations because they are so necessary. They are so, so necessary. And with that, I want to say thank you for tuning in, for listening to my rant on ethics in the addiction treatment industry, and remember to follow your compass. Have a good one, you guys. Bye.